Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. Okay, I am just a little bit impressed with myself that I was able to confess the peanut butter cup issue before we even did the prayer of confession. Um, that's supposed to be a joke because God knew about that, that about me anyway. But yeah, this morning we are going to talk about, um, the book of first John. And I always love, um, I always love that Mary's story is always so parallel to whoever one of whoever it is on teaching team that is teaching about the scripture. I love, I, I love that I get to say the words she says only with different words. And um, this morning, I just I just want to begin uh, with praying, Jesus, would you open this book of love just up for us in brand new ways? Could we discover your love for ourselves deeper than we ever thought possible? Yeah, can our ears, Lord, our eyes and our hearts be open to everything that you have to say to us this morning? And may we honor you with our love. Amen. So I want to begin this morning by reading scripture. And Andrew's going to put it up alongside my face because I want you guys to read along with me. Um, there's something powerful about reading scripture out loud. And I've taken, I've just mushed it just a little bit. I've taken a couple of verses from 1 John chapter 2. I've taken a couple of verses from 1 John chapter 3. The bulk is from 1 John chapter 4. So let's begin. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ the one who is truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of all the world. Dear friends, I'm not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you also are living it. And this is his commandment. We must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as he commanded us. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, Since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. 
Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in God live who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. That is the word of the Lord. I love that scripture. Um, I love the many uses of the word love. Most often the term is agape or agapan, which is love and loving. And it's love without condition. Whether we are receiving it or whether we are giving it, it is agape, without condition. So as I was studying for this week's teaching, I read a book, because that's kind of what I do. Uh, this book was by a man by the name of Dennis R. Edwards, and it's called What is the Bible and How Do We Understand It? And in that book, he, Mr. Edwards, he quotes a Ghanaian scholar by the name of Kwame Bediako, who declares that scripture is not just a holy book from which we extract teaching and biblical principles. Rather, it is a story in which we participate. And then the author, Dennis Edwards, goes on to say that the grand story of the Bible from beginning to end, is one of love. We are designed for love, created in love, as love, to be love, loved by God, to love God, to love others. And it's kind of too bad that many of us are unwilling to participate in this with God. I, I make up that many times it's because we consciously and probably most of the time unconsciously, just refuse to allow God to love us. I think mainly because we feel unworthy of that love. Um, I know that that is me, that has been me, that continues to be a thread that runs through my life. I'm not worthy. I don't, I don't deserve your love, God. But that isn't what he ever said. So I'm inviting us to consider that today. What does it mean to be loved by God? And then to love others, to respond to love that is given without condition. So this letter, First John, was written by John, the beloved disciple. He knew he was loved. He was the one that laid his head on Jesus's bosom at the last Passover meal. He wrote the Gospel of John and Revelation. He wrote First, Second, and Third John. And here in First John, he's writing a letter to the churches, um, 
a lot like Paul did, only this one doesn't look so much like a letter. There's no real salutation. There's no closing benediction. Some commentators think that he is more likely writing like a homily, a short little teaching, knowing that it will be read out loud to and in several of the churches. Um, and he's writing for a reason. People want to take the gospel, the teachings of Jesus, and change them. I mean, we want to do that as well. He writes this letter from Ephesus. He's an old man. He's writing to churches that by now they're mainly made up of non-Jews. He writes as a spiritual father. Notice, notice the references. He calls these Christians his children, his friends. And while he's warning them uh, to beware of false teachers, mostly he's speaking to them about love. In fact, he uses that word over 50 times. And in a crazy way, First John parallels his gospel message of John. In that gospel, chapter 13, verse 35, he quotes Jesus as saying, Remember the ways that I have loved you and demonstrate your love for others in those same ways. Everyone will know you as my followers if you demonstrate your love to others. That quote is kind of a summary of all of First John. The world recognizes us as true Christians by the way we love, by the way we love them and one another. I remember when I saw love in the eyes of a priest and I recognized the Jesus that lived in him. I've told this story so many times. Um, I think a lot of you have already heard this story. I can't even speak it without, you know, feeling emotional and kind of unworthy, honestly. But I've never been able to get away from it. Um, in my darkest times, in my best times, those eyes, those eyes that loved me, saw me, revealed Jesus. I resisted it like crazy. Love for me. Love for you. Before, before I could even acknowledge how deeply I desired and even longed to be loved by God, I resisted it. And I can still do that, which is, which is crazy. But then I tried it on <laughs> and I made up all kinds of things. Um, yeah, we've called that the human paradigm in our learning to love like Jesus book. Um, I've made up all kinds of things that I needed to do before God could really love me, or at least before I could accept this offer of love. And then slowly, mysteriously, because I think God works that way, spiritually and consciously, I began receiving. I am still receiving the love of God for me. And still I can be ambivalent about it. Because I am so clear that I am not worthy. And he loves me anyway. All of the love I had before I started to be able to receive the love of God is what I have called Wiffum love. W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? It was, the love was always conditional, you guys. Um, I confess that I probably originally even looked at God's love like that. Okay, if you're going to love me, God, what's in it for me? 
And uh, in my journey with Jesus, um, I began realizing that I loved my my children with a what's in it for me kind of a love. My husband, my friends. If I love you, if I uh, give you my love, what are you going to do for me? And I loved so many people, not at all. I chose not to love because I didn't see any benefit in loving those people. But God, I love that word but because it like gets rid of everything that I just said (laughs) and enters and cuts and creates something brand new. But God, love is not a feeling. It's a decision we make to receive it and then to pour it, to act for the good of others. Love can easily be seen. Remember John 13? Think about those people in your own lives who are loving. You know who, you know who they are. It shows, it shows, it shows. And we see Jesus in them. And how do we talk about that love? without trivializing it or romanticizing it? How do we speak and act God's love to those that don't feel it? And that can be a lot of us. Think about Psalm 22 here. David, the man after God's own heart. He begins that psalm having lost sight of the fact that God loves him. And he says this. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Those are the same words that Jesus says on the cross. Even Jesus lost sight of the fact for a moment that he was the beloved son of the creator God. Um, there's a nonprofit that I like a lot. Um, it's called preemptive love. And that word preemptive means something that you undertake to prevent something that you anticipate happening, usually something unpleasant. So they want to love before others don't. They want to so love before there is hate. And um, they just sent me their catalog, and they often use the words love anyway. I know several of you have have their sweatshirts, their T-shirts. I have their sweatshirt. Um, But in this catalog, they wrote something that really struck me. They wrote this. The world is scary as hell. Love anyway. In this life, in this season, in 2020, there's so, so many things I don't like that I wish weren't or that I wish at least could be different than what they are. But I need to remember that even when it's scary, my job is to love anyway because that's what the Bible tells me. To know God's love is to overflow with it because we are Swiss cheese. That is my theological perspective anyway. God made us on purpose to have holes in us so that everything that gets poured into us leaks out of us right into our community, right into the grocery store, the workplace, the, I don't know, the bus station, wherever we are. His love for us is unconditional, but it is not without consequences. We respond to it. That is the biggest consequence of him loving us. 
We receive it and then we've got to return it and pour it out and let it fill the world before hate fills the world. We return it by loving others like God loves us. And just back to our scriptural passage, John, like Paul in 1 Corinthians, he elevates love to the highest possible level. For Paul, love is the supreme fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5. For John, it's a sign. And he loved signs that pointed to Jesus. It's a sign of Jesus in us and through us. It is the primary, the first, the most important characteristic of God. Remember how many times that scripture that we read said, God is love. Love is not God. God is love. God is a living being whose identity is defined by love and whose expressions of love create relationships between himself and others. It follows then that our acts of love are a sign of his presence. Love acts. Mary used the word action. Love does. Remember that book by Bob Goff? Love does. God's love is at the heart of the life of faith. God's love is at the heart of life. God's love is life. Life is not one thing that God does. Love is not one thing that God does. Sorry about that. That was supposed to be love, not life. Everything he does is loving. John understands that love comes from God and it comes through him sending his son and its aim is to give us life, love, totally loving, totally generous, but God initiates. He takes the first step. He starts it. We do not on our own generate love, at least not this kind of love. We generate a lot of like, like that peanut butter cup I talked about. God's love is totally different. God's love frees us from the things that would block us from loving. It enables us to be free, to be his beloved children. And it enables us to set others free as well as we love them. And if we want others, our family, the people we encounter to see God, I've said it before, they need to see us act loving. They need to see us love. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, the author John says that the highest manifestation of love is to lay down our life for another, which was Christ on the cross. And then many translations of 1 John 4, verse 17, where it says that God's love is made perfect when we love one another, the Greek word for that is actually telos, which means goal. So actually, God's love reaches its goal, what it's meant for, aimed at, intended for, when it creates relationships of love with people. When God's love finds expression in the way we love others, his goal is reached. Love begets love. The only response to being loved is to love. In verse 20, John says that if we claim to love God, and that claim is not matched by the ways in which we love others, we're inauthentic Christians. We're not real at all. 
Again, Paul agrees with John. He calls us in 1 Corinthians 13, clanging symbols if we have not love, noisemakers. The primary evidence that we are lovers is compassion and caring. And that includes straightforward involvement in the work of justice. In fact, if we do a lot of Old Testament reading, it's restorative justice. If we're not doing these things, then we're merely religious, and it is not what Jesus is about. Austin Channing Brown, in her book I'm Still Here, says this about love. I am not interested in love that is aloof. I am not interested in a love that refuses to see systems and structures of injustice, preferring to ask itself only about personal intentions. This aloof kind of love is useless to me. I need a love that has no tolerance for hate, no excuses for racist decisions, no contentment in the status quo. I need a love that is fierce in its resilience and sacrifice. I need a love that is troubled by injustice. Amen. And love is all about community, people. Community in contrast to individualism. It's in community that we learn to love and care for one another, to make room for one another. God's plan is love, and this can only be shaped in us as we are together. Think about it. The Pharisees, they scattered. They didn't care for the sick. They didn't care for the needy. They didn't care for the sinners. They were exclusive separatists who shunned those they considered wrong or inferior. And a lot of Jesus's teaching addressed exactly that because he, he didn't scatter. He gathered sinners, foreigners, women, outcasts, enemies of the church. And how did he gather them? By loving them. We're called to live and love like Jesus, not like the Pharisees. Receiving God's love in community transforms us into those lovers. Loving someone makes them beautiful. I got to tell you about this crazy movie that um, I watched when I was a teenager. When I was 19. I was a little older than a teenager. It was made before I was born. It was made in 1945. It starred Robert Young and Dorothy McGuire. Names none of you probably have ever heard of. The name of the movie was The Enchanted Cottage, and it was about a very plain woman who was a maid in a cottage and a man who came to that place to heal because he had been shot down during the war and he was scarred and crippled. And they made this decision that they should marry because they liked each other a lot and they really felt like the other person was like the best they could do. But something happened. This this movie always kills me. I actually just watched it yesterday. It made me cry yesterday as well. But what happened is they fell in love. They listened to each other's stories. They got to know one another. And that created like this falling in love between the two of them. And what they found was that as they fell in love, that they became so beautiful to one another. That happens to each of us when we choose to love someone. They become beautiful to us. And I think that we become beautiful to them as well. I always think about that 
when it comes to my husband, John. Because we've been married for a long, long time. And I don't know what he looks like. I just know that I find him very, very beautiful. God guides us into a community that's based on love. First John is written to church communities that are that are in difficult straits. They're under fire. There's conflict, false teachers, differing theologies, different presidential candidates, different ways of living out and interpreting scripture. Wait a minute. Sounds like 2020. <laughs> but the call to community over and over again is love. Never does John encourage anything other than love as Christ loved. Love each other. Love your neighbors. Love others. That is all. And the opposite of love isn't hate, it's fear. We don't love because we're afraid. We don't love because we're afraid. We're afraid we're going to lose something. Um, yeah, maybe the life we have, our identity. Um, we're afraid we're going to lose something. So instead of loving one another, we attack one another. We need to be right. We're unkind. We gossip about each other. Um, we leave comments on social media. We accuse each other of things that we don't even know are true because we we don't know each other well enough to have fallen in love and to see the beauty that lives in the other. The greater my fear, the harder it is for me to love. But the scripture that we just read says, Love throws fear away. And that's where we need the Holy Spirit. Because the Spirit not only assures us that we're loved, it also assures us that we can love. And that whatever we would lose in that process, it is right and good to lose. Because we're, we're not the ones who judge anyway, God is. We're not the ones who seek vengeance anyway, God does. Our only call the root and the fruit of learning to live and love like Jesus, LBCF, is when we love others. This is the response that honors and glorifies the God who first loves us. And when we love others, we care about what hurts them, not because it affects us. We do it for love. Let's think about Jesus and the Samaritan woman. I know I'm talking really long here, but I have a lot to say. Let's think about Jesus and the Samaritan woman in John 4. Did Jesus have to walk into Samaria? No. Good Jews walked around Samaria because they did not want to defile themselves. If they stepped into Samaria by accident, you know what they would do? They would shake the dust off their feet. Um, Samaritan soil. Ugh. Shake it off as a sign of contempt. But Jesus did have to go to Samaria because of love. Love compelled him to cross ethnic boundaries where he found others that he loved, where he found laughter, delicious food, friendship, more love and, and probably suffering as well because when we love, really love, we suffer with and for those that we love where is Jesus inviting us? This was, this was also Mary's question to the children. Where is Jesus inviting me, you, Long Beach Christian Fellowship, to cross boundaries and experience 
more love. Can we ask Jesus, what do you want from us, from me, from our church, even from our nation? How do we join the conversation that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is already having? How do we listen? How do we hear well? How do we listen to one another, to our stories, our laments, our pain, our longings? I want to say that Jesus Christ and his love are bigger than anything that we're afraid of, than anything that separates us. And I know that love is messy and relationships are hard and issues of race and justice, they're complex. So LBCF, can we become this community that demonstrates something even approaching the love of God? Are we willing to make mistakes? trusting that love covers a multitude of sins? Can we rise above the ordinary and become even more generous, open, inclusive, honest, authentic, and wise? Can we care for one another with fierce and healing love? Even those among us that we don't find easy to love, like Mary's neighbor. Can we love those outside of our boundaries, welcoming them in large and gracious ways? Can we change without losing ourselves? Can we repent, ask for forgiveness, receive forgiveness, and go again? Can we work to make community happen in this COVID pandemic? Because goodness and love are not accidental. They happen when we allow ourselves to be fully loved by a radical God. We love because he first loved us. And the world is scary as hell. Love anyway. Jesus, may it be so. Amen.